is Gutterball. The Lebowski Deepcast. It does kind of remind me of like the line art of Picasso. In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of The Big Lebowski. Why don't we keep the whole million? Providing insight. This reminds me of uh, Walmart.horse. Commentary. Don't puff your chest out all hot saucily. And conjecture. The Supreme Court has <laughs> roundly rejected prior <laughs> restraint. <laughs> There we are. Well, Happy shit, New man. Year. I guess it's a new year. This is our first podcast of 2016. We can say the uh, podcast is spanned um, into 2016. Two. So, what one, year did we start this? 2012. I'm counting now. Give me a second. It takes a while. 12, 13. 14, 15, it has spanned five different calendar years. What the fuck? (laughs) Wow. That's kind of ridiculous. Wait, that can't be right. That is right, though. Yeah, I I think you're right. Let me just double check this. All episodes. We haven't been doing it for five years, but it has spanned five calendar years. That's like, there's a big difference there. But still, man, yeah, we we released in 2012. Right, twenty August 9th, 2012 was the first episode. So, <sighs> so three, 13, 14, 15, three years plus is the actual amount of time. Yeah, three and a half years. Yeah. Although we started recording. Well, we don't know when it's going to end. Like I texted you earlier. Last year was the year of consistency. This year can be the year of inconsistency. Exactly. We'll just take the rest of the year and release the next four episodes. Yep, we'll release one a quarter. A quarterly. It's a quarterly podcast. And then, uh, yeah, there we go. That helps us with tax purposes because the store is yeah, just blowing up. So, like, we need to, like, get with our accountant, you know, because this may bump us into, like, a higher tax bracket. Just need to check. Well, okay. If you I already just have need to, to find a cash machine. <laughs> mm, shit. This computer, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, your computer. I'm telling you. It's like there is a timer in there. Yeah, there's that Apple timer. It seems like it is in there. I love Apple. Me too. But really, the fact that it has a timer is just in some ways a testament to Apple because, like, a lot of other computers have timers, but they like last maybe a year tops. So you know now, what I mean? Like uh, just the other computers, you just expect to be trash and break constantly. See, I, I was tempted to agree with you at first, but no, it's not a year. Like I could buy the shittiest well, yeah. three hundred dollar PC laptop; it would last three years. I could get three good years out of it. Well, uh, good is relative, right? Okay, it's good, the shittiest like, computer. You could get three years of using the shittiest computer out of it. Yes, yes, but it like the performance. If the day I bought it, and like whatever the performance is, is a hundred percent. After three years, the performance will be at you know eighty percent. Whatever that 100% is relatively, you know, who gives a shit? Like, you know what you're getting yourself into. It's expectation uh, to pay off. Again. Maybe, maybe. Not maybe. I've done it. 
Like, I'm not saying you can't use it for three years. Well, yeah. But how does that compare to your experience? Because you've had this laptop for 4.5 years. 4.5 years. And up I've until it. today, it's up worked until it's 100%, has it A couple it not? of months ago. Yeah, yeah, pretty much 100%. So, but the price difference between a $300 well, shitty-ass PC and whatever the fuck I spent on this thing, I swear it was like $2,000. It was the last of the 17-inchers. It's the MacBook Pro. That's what uh, they used to call me. MacBook Pro? The last of the 17 inches. <laughs> <laughs> You're taller than that. You're way I'm taller than that. A wee You're bit taller. At least two feet. You're at least two inches tall. <laughs> Maybe you were projecting onto it's, that. It's pigeon. just the perspective. It's all about perspective, Brad, which I lack. The other thing that they install in computers is a needometer. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I don't know how crushing your deadlines are generally in life as they relate to technology. Oh, okay. I know where you're going with this. And how dependent your deadlines are on a specific piece of technology. But I've experienced this over and over over the course of like a decade and a half. The more crushing a deadline is, the more prone the fucking machine is to breaking and just refusing. It's like right. you're walking well, a dog and you're pulling on the leash. It's like, come on, this way, this way. And it's like they, they just resist and pull back. The harder you pull, the harder they resist. No, that's what I was going to say. Exactly. Like these machines, they respond to how you treat them without a doubt. Like number Johnny five. Yeah. You know, you give him some bullshit. He's going to bring out his lasers or control a remote controlled mm-hmm, airplane mm-hmm. into your butt well you know that's the thing you get right like people are always oh brad look at my, this computer doesn't work and then it's the whole like oh i just stand behind them and then it works right right the, it was it, you just needed to be kind of a calming influence on the situation that's it they sense your gentleness yeah like computers aren't bigots you know despite your enormous size, they're not immediately intimidated by you. They they sense your calming presence. They understand that you're there. You're mm-hmm. you're a mediator. Right. Well, there's something about the calming presence of a big guy. Because <laughs> nobody wants to fuck with him. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. But you uh, know what? It me doesn't... and Hodor. Well, yeah, you and Hodor. You, your vocabulary is somewhat larger, but it's the thing is, like, it doesn't matter, like, physical size. Just because you're in that role, like, there are other people that are in that role. I'm in that role sometimes. Sometimes people substantially smaller than me are in that role. It's it's like it's a thing I do, especially editing video. There's so many components that you have that all just need to be, like, singing along and walking this right. tightrope together. And it's like the guy, he's like... Like tiptoeing out on the rope, extending across two skyscrapers or over Niagara Falls or something. And he's got that balance beam that extends out both ways. And there's all the shit on either side of it. And it's like, that's all your software and your plugins and your hardware. Right. And you've got shit on either side. And it's like, you update one thing and it's like, oh shit, oh shit, the right side starts to go down. It's like, 
Don't do that. Don't fuck. If you get it like perfectly balanced, don't fuck with it. Right. Well, that's the weird life of a video editor. I it feel is. like most other uses of a computer don't have that kind of precarious nature. Do they not? Because sometimes, like, I feel like it is a very specific sort of existence, but then I'm like, no, everybody probably has to deal with it, but maybe not. I don't deal with that. Yeah. I just you, update willy-nilly to anything. Oh, my God. That just gave me the cold <laughs> sweats. Yeah. And, you know, nothing I do has the weird, like, video... We've talked about this before, how, like, editing video in college on a computer and doing it now, it's still just as shitty and crapshoot of an experience, it Absolutely. Seems. Except like you'd think in 20 years they would have figured that out. But they don't because, like, on on the one hand, they keep getting better and, like, they keep pushing the envelope. Right. Like, like really just out there on the edge. Now you got 4K and you got, like... I don't even know what. Just like all these fucking plugins that do like super right. slow mo, 240 frame per second slow mo. Extra shit bits and, of color. Like, right. And they just keep, yeah. It's like, let's make the video format be just slightly more than a computer can handle. Always, always. Always. So you're never truly in a safe space. You live in a constant state of stress about it breaking down. And the thing is, like, this is what I was trying to get at, like, it doesn't have to be me, and I'm the most senior person in my shop, but, like, when something just, <laughs> just inscrutably goes wrong, it's like, there is no reason for this to be happening right now, mm-hmm. I'm pressing play, and there is no audio, and I don't understand. It was playing five seconds ago, now it's not playing, and I spend an hour it's still not playing. I'll just go find anyone. And I'll be like, can you come in to my room so that I can show you what's going on? And I'll say four to six times out of ten, when that person just stands there without any of the preconceived <laughs> bullshit that I got right. going on projecting out at the machine, when they just stand there as an unbiased observer... Four to six times out of ten, it will fix itself. Yeah, the, the machine is just fucking with you. It is. It is Johnny Five in the machine, or it's Skynet. Fucking with my head. <laughs> or they're the same. That's a great fucking fan fiction idea right there. Johnny Five Terminator crossover. Kind of love it. Because both Johnny Five and the Terminator had moments of like, I want to destroy everything, I want to protect everything. Right. Johnny Five started out with a big laser on his shoulder that could fuck shit up. He was going to be a weapon. He didn't like that, so he turned into sort of like a savior. Same with Terminator. It could be like a whole Darth Vader thing where Johnny Five is kind of like the Anakin Skywalker, but then he eventually becomes Skynet. But then at the end, he finds his better nature. Turns back, finally. Turns back and is able to free humanity. Well... That's a fucking great story right there. Yeah, I'll write it down. (laughs) I mean, I guess George Lucas already kind of wrote it, but we can just change a couple of the names and it'll be a whole new awesome story. Aiden Christian was pretty robotic and leaden. Yeah. Oh, my fuck. (laughs) I sent you a million Star Wars videos yesterday. What were you thinking? Did I receive any of them? I don't remember. 
We, I, well, maybe I didn't actually send you too many videos. I just I sent, you sent you long me, like, descriptions. One or two. I'm just getting confused with the fact that I watched like a thousand Star Wars videos on YouTube. I think you were in a state. Yesterday, I was. So. I was in a weird kind of fugue state. I had this horrible migraine Ugh. that was like. I I've only had a migraine. I I would say I rarely get migraines. And we've discussed this before, I think, how how do you find that border between oh, this is a headache and a migraine? But yesterday it's undisputably a migraine where like it hurt so bad I thought it was gonna make me puke. Hmm. And it came in waves. Where did like, it hurt from exactly? my head? Down through my body to my toes. It hurt in my, I mean, in my. From my with, head down to my toes. Yeah. I mean, where like did a Bob it hurt Dylan exactly? song? I don't, in my head, I guess, behind one of my eyes to start with. Just all around my head, really. And so then bad. If I was, stood up, it would be like weird waves would wash over me and I would think I was going to, to vomit from it. Hmm. So would you say it was probably not what a like what a wonderful feeling? No, definitely not. Did it set your heart a reeling from your toes up to your ears? No. No. Did it set I your think brain my heart a reeling? reeling would be good thing. Oh. Okay. Wouldn't it? I don't know. That kind of sounds I wouldn't mind if my heart reeled a little bit. Sounds like a heart attack to me. Oh yeah. Which sounds terrifying and like you're going to die. So maybe not. I might rather have my brain reeling than my heart reeling. I don't know. Yeah. Hard to say. If your brain's hard reeling, you're say. getting a concussion, though. But you're still alive. You're just fucked up and living out a life of misery and torment. If your heart reels, you die. Hmm. Yeah, in that case, I'd rather a head reeling. Yeah, probably. A brain reel. A brain reel. A brain reel. Speaking of reels, you see that link I sent you right before we went on? Um, I did. I didn't get to read the whole thing, but I did look at it while I was waiting for this damn restart. And I'm kind of... I'm a little excited about that, and I might invest in one. Do you want to yeah. tell the dear listener what you're talking about? This is from The Verge. From today, the day we're recording this, which is January 5th. Well, you don't want to put too fine a point on it, do you? I was just confused if today was the 5th or the 15th for a moment. It's, That's, it's the 5th. It's the what? It's the 5th. 5th. Kodak's new gadget is a Super 8 film camera. <laughs> and it kind of warms my heart, is the headline. So, yeah, it's kind of, you know, film is having its moment, you know? It's it's doing its little rebound, like, before it completely dies. There's a little uptick in it. If you watch my Instagram, you'll see I invested in... Oh, Jesus, I don't know. 25 rolls. Yeah, over $100 a film. Yeah. Then by the time I get that processed, I don't want to think about the the cost. Yeah, but... There is, there is a look. There is a look. There is a look. Well, especially when it's medium format. Right. 
Right, and Super 8 cannot be confused with medium format <laughs> no. in any way, shape, They're or form. They're kind of the opposites. Right. I shot my senior thesis film half on Super 8 film. What was the other half? Mini DV. <laughs> there you go. Two tastes that taste great together. Yep. It's like apples and sauerkraut. Sometimes it works. Sweet and sour. I think it worked okay. Story was shit. Maybe it didn't work. The effects were shit. Story was shit. Sound was shit. Well, I don't think any of that stuff matters as much as the story does. So if the story was truly shit, which... Well, no, it was okay. The story I think was the story okay. was okay. story was okay. Uh, yep. But I got... I didn't get accepted into the film festival... Because the big knocks on the film were like, the sound is just awful in places and almost unintelligible, and we can't understand what people are saying. Well, like, I'm like, I, I can see that. I can see that. So it didn't get into the film festival. That's, that's, a, that, that's, uh, yeah. It's a tough pill to swallow, but you know, I'm not, not a total asshole. I still went to the festival. But then I left before the awards ceremony well, I think, because, yeah, yeah. I, I know I've told people, I, I don't care. I think you need to just George Lucas it up a little bit. Just go back and redo it. Redo some of the audio and maybe a couple of the effects and be like, here it is, a special edition. This is what it was really supposed to be. This is what it was supposed to be. I just, you know, it wasn't caught up to my vision yet. All you assholes who then gave the movie the award for best sound design. <laughs> Uh, I had that in my office for seven years, but now Wait, they gave the movie best sound design. Yeah, I have the award. I kept it in my but office. They said it was unintelligible. Correct. So they were just being assholes, or did they get, or the people that juried it in terms of accepting it different than people that did the re- awards, and they were just like, "That's my only." This is like they were conclusion. like, "This is an avant-garde sound treatment here." That can be my only conclusion. <laughs> the dialogue in places, because I tried to record, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, basically. I tried to record, like, on-set dialogue, because the Super 8 just couldn't couldn't take the sound into So we had to do double system, mm-hmm. meaning you record the sound on one device, and you record the picture on the other device, and then you try mm-hmm. to sync it up. But, like, I, I didn't have enough people, so it was just me, basically trying to do everything so i was like taping a microphone to the ceiling of the spherical spaceship in my basement and like it just sounded terrible almost as if you recorded the sound from 15 feet away with a shitty microphone which is what i did almost yeah and then um the rest of it we did adr Mm -hmm. (laughs) which you know those couple of scenes sounded okay but imagine hooking up a VCR to a TV, you know, after you've gotten, like, your transfer back from the film, pl- the Kodak film place up in Buffalo, probably, and then trying to sit there with a TV in your hallway with a sound recorder and, like, match up your dialogue by listening to the shitty from 15 feet away audio and playing it in headphones with two different people and like just trying to figure out that whole process never having done it how 
confounding that is. Yeah. <laughs> and you can imagine what it sounded like. But yeah, that's my only... That's the only thing I can think is that the people who <laughs> like were the gatekeepers for submissions were different than the people judging the awards. Right, and they came to exact opposite conclusions. <laughs> yes. Oh, shit. So I kept that little thing in my office for a long time. But then I removed everything from my office because, Brad, it's like Robert oh, yeah. De Niro said in Heat, you got to be able to like leave in 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you don't go dressing everything up because then when security comes and escorts you out of the building, you don't want to have to like convince them that no, this is my little statue that I won back in film school. Yeah. Just don't have it be there. Have nothing there. Right. I'm close to that. Well, I cleaned it all up. Uh, you'll get there. Yeah. I have uh, TARS is there. That's the one thing I got there. Brad, the one thing you cannot afford to have there. I'm not going to lose TARS. It's the one one thing I maybe I can afford to have there, but it's also the one thing I so desperately need there. Yeah, I got you. All in one. I'm looking at him right now. See, here's the thing. This is where we differ. I keep him home. I'm looking at him. He's, He's with me right now. Speaking of which... Good friend of ours, Joby, just watched Interstellar for the first time. Oh, yeah. I saw that on, uh, I think it was on the, the, the Twit stream. Oh, was it on the Twit stream? I don't remember where it is. I think that's where it was, but yeah. We're just out there everywhere. I can't keep all these channels right. straight. Lots of ins, lots of outs. Lots of questions about TARS. Don't we all, Joby? Don't we all? So Joby's idea was we follow this up with an Interstellar podcast. I love Interstellar. I love it very much. I I don't know that it could support a deep cast, though. I don't know if it could either. We could just do a TARS cast. Well, that's what I was going to say. That might work. I love Interstellar, but I love TARS more than Interstellar. I, I want the TARS prequel so bad. I just want that. His early days. Mm-hmm. Tars World. Tar Tars Wars. Yeah. We keep going down this and down this. I don't think we've hit on it yet, but I just want him as a you know, a young robot, newly commissioned, out there in the trenches. Yeah, well he was originally he fought with the Marines or whatever. He's a fucking Marine, you know. He's seen some shit. He's been mm-hmm. in the shit. Yeah. Case not so much, you know, he's kind of a Fresh-faced young lad, still competent, equally mm-hmm. as competent, but hasn't been in the shit as much as Tars. <sighs> but yes, Joby, I'm glad you finally joined the club, as it were. It's important. It's important to know Tars is out there, you know, taking her easy for all us space pilots. Well, that's not too bad. I haven't Googled anything. We're over 20 minutes in. That's, that's pretty that good. That is pretty good. That is that's you really know. good. That's not true. Yeah. God damn it. I Googled Bob Dylan lyrics for the toes to your head thing oh. you said. Damn it. So close. There you go. But I said I I didn't Google it to like say it. I already said it. I just wanted to kind of confirm. You wanted the, to confirm you weren't you were your ass wasn't hanging out, so to speak. Right. Right. 
You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Oh, hell yeah. What's your ass hanging out? No way. Well, your red ass hanging out there like some howler monkey, some baboon. Their asses are bright red. <laughs> yeah. Why are their asses bright red, Brad? Well, that reminds me of a <laughs> uh, a tweet that I've seen going around. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That I don't know if it's apocryphal or not, because sometimes people fake these things. Okay. But it seems like it'd be real. Their asses are turning just regular skin color? No, now. this was a tweet from Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh, boy. And he was commenting with all the Star Wars mania. See, I've tried so hard not to I mention know. Star Wars. I know, did pretty good. It could have come up. There's about eight lead-ins, but this <laughs> is just least. it. All right. But this is about the original Star Wars, per se. It doesn't have to be about the new one. But Chewbacca... I was going to say, don't tell me there's like some Easter egg hidden frame of Chewbacca's bright red ass. <laughs> no, there's not. Okay. But Neil, that, that would be pretty awesome, though. But Neil deGrasse Tyson, he just commented that, uh, you know, he expected in reality that Chewbacca would have much more prominent genitals. <laughs> <laughs> Which I can't really uh, fault him for. Why, why would he expect that, though? Well, like, just because you would need, I think, the same reason, like, you know, the the orangutans, not orangutans, whatever it is, they have, like, the bright red asses and everything. I mean, you need these sexual signals, right? But his his lineage has split off more towards, like, the human side. You know, he flies spaceships and shoots laser crossbows and... But he's still walking things. around naked. He's got a lot of hair covering. He doesn't need to wear clothes. He's completely covered in hair. He's got a big brain. I don't think big brain necessarily means uh, hidden genitals. Hidden well, red ass. Bright at, red ass. Look at humans. Big brain, hidden genitals. Well, we hide them ourselves, though. Well, you know, he's superior to us. Like, his evolution... Yes, it's split, like it's skewed more towards human, but like he one-upped us by not having to wear all these fucking clothes right. all the time. That is true. I mean, I get what Neil deGrasse Tyson is saying. If that's even true, that he said that. Oh, yeah, who knows, right? I it's unfollowed- one of these things that floats around as like a Twitter like image of a tweet. I unfollowed Classic Picks today after listening to that episode of Reply All. I couldn't live with myself anymore. Even yeah. though some of it is good, you know? Like, right. I see little pictures of Freddie Mercury as a kid. I like that. I don't if get they're to even see real, that. though. Well, it, you can tell. You can just fucking tell sometimes. They just photoshopped the teeth onto them, and they're like, here you go. Freddie yeah. Mercury as a kid. That takes too much work. You know, they just want to make it easy. They just blast it out there. Yeah. But yeah, I had to unfollow it. It was just too too much. They're, you're ashamed. Uh, they shamed me into unfollowing Classic Picks. The worst part about Classic Picks is when they retweet History Picks, which is just a vehicle for selling their app, that like game they have, where they send you to like some spot on planet Earth. And here's a picture of it. And then you need to figure out where you are, and it's like competitive with your friends and shit, and you have, I don't know, so long mm. to figure out where you are. I don't know. Just 
there was like a month where that's all they were doing is selling this app. And I was like, yeah. At least like, they weren't selling t-shirts on Redbubble. Well, that would who, be the worst. What kind of asshole does that? Guess what I got for Christmas? <laughs> oh, yeah? You my, got you got one of your own t-shirts? My mommy got me one of my own t-shirts. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I have to say, it's pretty kick-ass. I it's was hoping... Pretty damn good. Because I knew through the grapevine that she had bought something in the store... But I was so hoping that was a t-shirt for herself. I was too, but... I'm a I, little disappointed now. I was too, but I can't complain because I fucking love it. It's yeah, like, it's really cool. nice. I was disappointed. It's like, oh, it was for me. I thought you were going to wear it out there in the streets. Not that she lives on the streets. She has a nice place to live. But then once I put it on, I'm like, actually, this makes me feel like $6. Yeah, I just got a uh, new MacBook Pro at work. Yeah, which is and, basically your MacBook Pro because you'll have it until you yeah, basically. Have to turn it in. But I have my own MacBook Pro also. See, why would you even bother? It's a long story. Okay. But no, we, it's definitely worth it for me. We have all night. We appear to have plenty of time. The uh, but but the problem is, I used to have this sticker on my one from work. That's so got to be a Star Trek quote, right? Yes. Okay. Um, I next, just watched that Chekhov's master next, opus, Star Trek oh, Two: The Wrath of Khan. Oh, I was gonna say it was Next Generation, but of course it's Wrath of Khan. Didn't you've been Wrath like, of Khan? Okay, so I sent in. you that Wrath of Khan artwork. Yeah, love it. It's fucking great. It's fucking pretty Chekhov, genius. You know? It's just a giant headshot of Chekhov. That <laughs> says Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Ugh. They missed the boat on that one. And what about Star Trek? Is that it? That's it. Well, oh. I quoted it randomly for no reason. Okay. But the... Uh, well, as you do. As I do. But uh, anyway, all this is to say, I'm going to be buying myself... A gutter ball sticker to put on my laptop. Your work laptop? No, the laptop that's my laptop. Damn it. So I can proudly... No, I want to... That's the laptop that I'm proud of, man. Okay. It's the laptop I want to adorn. It's not the laptop you need, but it's the laptop you deserve. Yeah. Kind of true. Kind of true. Star so how Trek about this movie, The Big Lebowski? Do we want to mention anything about these credits? I mean, I noticed some strange items in here. I guess we could. Do we need to play like 60 seconds of Sean Colvin's leaving Las, Viva Las Vegas? Okay, and then once we're done, I'll admit something. Okay. Roll it. Do it.
So you had an admission. Yeah. Not not an emission, but an admission. Not an expulsion, not an emission, an admission. We just expulsed the minute we've brought it back. Well, it starts with some listener input again. Um, our good old pal, Gomio. Gomio, yes. Gomio. Hey, Gomio. Hoodie monks, motherfucker. Um, so, first of all, he messaged us on Facebook to say it was he, Gomio, who sent us the Damarera link from his stand-up comedy. Okay. All well, right. That's good to know. We've tracked that one down. Close the book on that one. Close the book on that one. I feel bad. It it's took like, us like 20 episodes to get around <laughs> to mentioning it. I I know. And then you, you don't remember where it came from, so I felt bad. But uh, so, yeah, thank you, Gomio, for that one. But also, he messaged us to say he was kind of questioning why we gave the Sean Colvin cover of Viva Las Vegas such a hard time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, because it's shitty, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So here, l- let me let me read what he so said. The, okay, yeah, let's hear this. Okay, stand by, stand by. Um, uh, uh, I gotta go to my phone. I don't, I don't know how to operate Facebook either. Let's face it. You would think like the desktop version of Facebook would be more responsive and more robust than the app. No, it's untrue. It's not. Yeah, it's not at all. So he says, he says, hey, Bradham, I'm not sure why you guys hate Viva Las Vegas song. Maybe it's because I've been in Japan since 94, so it doesn't seem so dated to me. I like the song, though. Also, I'm the one that sent you the Damarera link. So there you go. Wasn't I'm really confused now. What are you confused about? Yeah, Sean Colvin did Sonny Came Home. Yes. Didn't I'm getting her confused with someone else, I think. You're getting her confused with what if God was one of us? No, not getting no? confused with that one. You sure? What do you yeah. mean that one? Didn't I <laughs> didn't didn't, <laughs> didn't I uh <laughs> Well, it's John Osborne, you bigoted fuck. John Osborne, right? Not the other one. Not uh, the other one. There's only two. Did, did you? <laughs> I don't know. What did I recently, what? Just say my, Recently, my wife went to see someone in concert. I might know her. You might know her. Okay. Who did she see in concert? Do I know that person too? Well, you you would know them as an artist. Natalie Imbruglia. No, 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 no. I want to say it was Sean Colvin. Why would she see Sean Colvin? See, it wasn't her. Because when I mentioned that she went to see this person, you were like, oh, seeing that person, not exactly a lightweight or something like that. Really? Like, that's a big deal. Any so I man? It wasn't Sean Colvin. No. 
But wasn't Amy, or maybe you're just being sarcastic. I didn't recognize it. Well, I don't know. Christine, if you're listening, write to us and let us know (laughs) who it was you saw. We know that you're 15 feet away in the other room. She just got me. Did you? We can't hear that. It's in my fucking headphones. As soon as I said that, there was a ding. A ding. My text message came through. She texting you right now to tell and you. And it wasn't Sean Colvin. I got really confused. It was Lucinda Williams. Oh, no. Fucking A. Lucinda Williams. Not yeah. exactly a lightweight. Yeah. Uh, Phil Ritifer used to listen to her back in the day. He He got me onto her a little bit. He was a drunkard. He used to go up to Alaska every summer and fish. Although he didn't really fish. Like, he was out on a boat for a couple of months at a time. But he was the cook. And they would have a pot. Like, everything's locked down on a boat. Mm -hmm. So nothing can go slamming around when the waves hit you. And he wasn't crab fishing, mind you. He was salmon fishing. So I'm sure it's no picnic, but it's not crab fishing. He's not in the Bering Sea. But, um... Yeah, so he was the cook, and they would have a pot. I forget what he had a name for it. It was just like... <laughs> not, like Marty? Not like Bill or Marty. More like cook pot, okay. fry pan. But it gotcha. was... It's something that, like, gave you the idea that this was here all the time. Like, basically, for that's months at a time... That's old cook pot. That's old cook pot over there. But the idea was that, like... There was some of yesterday's meal in it all the time. So by the time you were a month or two or three months into your trip, like some of the first day's meal is still in there. Like you never ate all of it. It's kind of like a sourdough starter. Like it just keeps going and you just add more shit to it and kind of make different things. But there was always a part of the previous meal in it. And it would just be there slowly cooking and you would just add more to it every day. And that was your food. And then he would come back in like August or something and he'd make like $30,000 or something. And then he would slowly fuck himself up over the course of seven or eight months, spend all his money. He'd tip really good for the first month and then Mm -hmm. wouldn't do shit. And then he'd go back up, make another 30, and come back and drink himself to oblivion for seven months. It's pretty good. Pretty good gig if you can get it. But he's the one that got me on to Lucinda Williams. He's really into her. I was like, all right. I see you. I see you, Lucinda. I wonder how Christine the Playbill, like, got into her, so to speak. Yeah, I don't know. I can't answer that one. Because this is... This may have to just be a special feature. Jesus, almost two decades ago. Now, I never went out and bought an album or anything, but I'm aware of her. She's been around forever, man. 78. 78 and 80 were her first albums. Wait, not as long as Sticks. Fuck, no. They were around in the 60s, man. They went by different names back then. They were the Trade Winds for a while. They were... <coughs> just, just one to throw that in there. Yeah, you gotta have at least one per episode. I'll try to give you one too. They were TW four. That was the week that was that was, or something like that. Some kind of thing. 
back then. Well, when did they first the week release before. an album under the name Styx? 1971. 1971, okay. Under the name Styx. But, you know, you had Dennis DeYoung playing accordion, and J.Y. playing some guitar, you know. And you mean the, previously? In the yeah, trade Wednesdays? Right, previously with the Panazzo brothers, you know, some drums and bass. But, you know, when your front man's playing the accordion, I don't know how far you're going to go. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's hard to imagine, <laughs> like, 1968. Yeah, Sticks. <laughs> sticks. It's the second season of Star Trek, the original series is airing. Fucking sticks. Not even the third. And somewhere, Dennis DeYoung is playing the accordion at the same time. As a front man. With the, f- the front accordion. accordion. <laughs> the front accordion. <laughs> I mean, Pink Floyd, Piper at the Gates of Dawn. What year was that? 67. So basically, Sticks and Pink Floyd were starting at the same time. <laughs> like within months of each other. But only one of them would go on to record Mr. Roboto. Correct. True. One, only one of them had the staying power for that. That's right. Only one of them is still marginally together to this day. Marginally. Marginally. Only one of them went on to cover... Uh, I Am the Walrus. I Am the Walrus, God which was it. probably released around the same time when that band originally started. <laughs> Which band? Lucinda Williams? Um, no, Sean Colvin. Oh, shit. Oh, fuck you, Brad. Sean Colvin, I really like them. Yeah, their first album was good. So, these credits. 97. Jesus, you're so close to being right. Fuck. There's four credits in a row that are questionable to me. Questionable how. So first we have... We're talking about the Big Lebowski now. Yeah. Okay. So first we have the Baby Wranglers. Right. Which are Patty Cook and Eileen Sullivan. Right. Okay. There's questionable credit number one. Well, I guess questionable might not be the complete word. Then we have Giggles, Howls, and Marmots. Wait, how is questionable not a complete word? No, that's not the right word. Okay. Did I say complete? Yeah, I think so. It's not the complete description. I don't know, man. All right, I I got you. It's kind of still having migraine the second day, so. Yeah, I'm taxing you. I apologize. I am taxed, but this is the year of inconsistency, so it's okay to put up all kinds of inconsistent performances here. Giggles, Howls, and Marmots. I think William we, Preston Robertson. He gets, has to get his yeah, due. But I guess that's not questionable, really. I understand that. Or incomplete. It's unconventional. Sure. What, as a credit in a film? Yeah. Yeah, but we've talked ad nauseum about all the marmot and, like, dog mm-hmm. giggles and noises. All yes. the Thurston noises. Like, you know he's doing those. Yes. Then there's animals. Just, that's a credit, animals? Animals. Well, there is a marmot in the film. Right. But but, but who, who, who are the animals? Oh, I don't know. Who are the animals? Animal actors. Well, yeah, it's kind of like uh, central casting, you know? But it's animal mm-hmm. actors. Right, animal actors. We need something that doesn't look anything like a Pomeranian. 
but is the same size as a Pomeranian. Gotcha, we got one for you. His name's Eddie. We'll call him Thurston. You know, and then perfect. the fourth credit. We need a marmot. We don't have any marmots. Got That's any... where you call up a William Preston Robertson. <laughs> right. He was we... actually did the mocap for the marmot. That was all CGI. <laughs> this is before Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis owes everything to William Preston Robertson and his know. work as the marmot. I don't know what a mocap is. Motion capture motion yes. capture yes, yes. see that's it. kind of the lingo that's in the, the biz yeah in the biz if you're you in should, it like you, you should are. better get pretty hip to the lingo adam if you want you're not gonna go very far I'm trying man i'm trying i've just been bogged down in my own little world for too long yes please continue this is fascinating <laughs> <laughs> the last in my list is left behind See, that one was actually fascinating to me, and I just, I want you to expand on that a little bit. So left behind, Margaret Hayes. Because I got some things to say about that one. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, Margaret Hayes, I don't know who, I mean, they may be referring to the old, uh, like, classic Hollywood area actress, Margaret Hayes. Your little one-syllable slip-ups really (laughs) just really get me going, man. What slip-ups? Am I slipping up? The the old Hollywood area. (laughs) Is that what I said? Just, you know, if you're in geographical proximity. (laughs) In my mind, I did not say that. You're all getting to hear my brain degrading right now. This is pure Brad. It's great, though. Who doesn't want this? I'm giving you the business, but who doesn't want this? People want pure, unadulterated Brad. And pure we're Brad. Bottle, bottle me up, man. And then I'd go flying off the shelves. You're going to like poop shoot it up your, you know, with the, uh, the kids are doing that. Don't do that, anybody listening. They're shoving that into their buttholes now. Yeah, well, that's the best way to get Brad in you. <laughs> What about this Hayes person, though? Margaret Hayes. Well, she was a classic Hollywood area actress. <laughs> um, she was in this movie, Sullivan's Travels. Now, that's interesting, man. From 1941. This is like my Google result trying to tie her to the Coen brothers in some way. So is that was this the book, the Coen brothers encyclopedia. Was that the prequel to Gulliver's Travels? No. It's just a... Uh, a different travel of a different person. Yeah. And I, guess it's the, I guess the name is like maybe a play on that. But he, so this movie from 1941, Margaret Hayes was in it. And it is released today in the Criterion Collection. Mm. But it is... Not exactly a lightweight. This Cohen Brothers Encyclopedia as the inspiration for Oh Brother Were Out Thou. Interesting. And huh. it says something here. So did Margaret Hayes then play one of the sirens? Perhaps? Not in this movie. Hmm. Okay, I get it now. We're all waiting on tenter hooks. <laughs> so it says here. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Did I pause for like five minutes? I might have. No, it's no Johnny more Five than three. is malfunctioning. The 
Joel Cohen notes that Oh Brother is the realization of the film Sullivan wanted to make. <laughs> quote, the important movie that won't. The one that takes on the big important themes, end quote. The one should note that it is also the film Sullivan didn't want to make. A musical comedy with a little sex in it wrapped in Homeric illusions. So in this movie, Sullivan's Travels, Sullivan is a director, a film director. So this is like a movie about a film director. And this director is on a campaign to make lofty, symbolic, socially significant films that, quote, hold a mirror up to life, end quote. Oh shit, specifically a film called Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? A, a Capra-esque project meant to capture the human suffering of early 1940s America. His producers instead want a musical, something with a little sex in it. Armed with appropriate attire from the wardrobe department and joined by an aspiring actress fallen on hard times, Sullivan hitchhikes, jumps trains, and sleeps in hobo camps and shelters in order to learn about the common man in, quote, real life, end quote. After Sullivan becomes separated from his traveling companion, he is attacked, robbed, and presumed dead by Hollywood, following which he is arrested for trespassing and assault upon a railroad employee and sentenced to six years of hard labor. In the labor camp, he learns about real human suffering and determines that he would prefer to make films that make people laugh because in the reality of the common man, laughter is all some people have. Now that is fucking interesting. I had no idea. I feel like such a fucking amateur and such a lightweight right now. I'm sorry. I wasn't listening. What did you say? (laughs) (laughs) That this movie from 1941 was about this director character who wants to make this great film called Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I don't think it's true. Left Behind is about Kirk Cameron after the rapture comes, and everybody who was a good Christian gets taken up to heaven, and he's left behind in this hellhole post-apocalyptic world. So Margaret Hayes, the actress, did not go to heaven. Clearly not. She Well, not initially. I think there's a chance... If you do the right thing, you have to make it through this, like, hell-on-earth situation, and if you fight off enough zombies, you get to get there. You have to make your way basically through purgatory, doing the right thing enough before you have a chance. Does that make sense? I can kind of get with it. Yeah. Did you ever have that feeling where, I know you were just stumbling into, like, this great realization and tying like almost a century of (laughs) epic filmmaking together but didn't you ever have that sense like everybody went to heaven and left you behind and wasn't there ever a moment where it's like everybody's gone what the fuck so you weren't wrapped with that guilt ever it was never i've had that i've had that kind of kind of like um sensation or fear never tied to guilt and never like heaven never rapturous because like so it just wasn't raised with that kind of stuff just like like i would be stifling guilt you know (laughs) (laughs) so you just thought it was a serial killer or something (laughs) i don't know what it was it could be anything but i would have the neutron bomb that you were somehow magically immune to or it could be something else. Like, not everyone's dead, but everyone's smart enough. Like, they've all went, gone to the bomb shelters, and I just didn't hear about it. 
like I'll be driving on some road somewhere and I'll suddenly realize like I haven't seen another car in like 20 minutes. Like what if there's just no one else left? So, okay, but that's like out in the middle of nowhere. Did it ever was it ever tied to like your home in like an extended period of time where you're looking around, it's like this is where everybody always is. No. And you're going around and nobody's around. Man, I had that not always, like twice. See, I kind of sometimes enjoyed the sensation, so I would actually tune the radio to static. I did too. I kind of like drive it. down the road listening to static, being like, "Yeah, there's nothing out there." I'm not gonna lie. I'm like, I can set all the fires I want to set right now. I can just light anything I want on fire. I can play with gasoline. You know, it's all good. I can just drive with my pants down around my ankles. It's fine. <laughs> Right. Get Johnny Five in there to help you out a little bit, maybe. Maybe Margaret Hayes, Chewbacca's bright red ass. Who knows what? Sky's the limit. Neutron bomb apocalypse. Yeah, see, I uh, never never really occurred to me that that was a possibility. It was always just like, I was bad. Everybody else was good. I was bad. So Yeah, I never I had that problem. The reason Luckily. I bring it up, there's a fucking reason, man. Because you said Margaret Hayes, right? Mm-hmm. And left behind. You're thinking of Tim LaHaye. Tim LaHaye left behind. I've met that dude. He was at a conference that I was working. He is wealthy beyond belief. Right. He, he has sold like... I, oh, yeah. Like Endless. 50 million copies of his books. We we did tell the story in a previous yeah definitely episode. definitely we did but Don't worry. You know, nobody it, who listened to that is still listening listen now, Brad yeah. come on come on but yeah Margaret Hayes left behind Tim LaHaye left behind it's kind of weird but now you're going on this whole other like circuitous route to get to like some oh brother <laughs> where art thou like not even inspiration but like kind of the same movie. With the same title. It's not the same movie. Not the same it was movie. A fictional the... movie. It was oh, a movie within a... a movie. I'm sorry, I really wasn't listening. I was only vaguely listening. Listen, listen this time. Okay, I'll try. Fucking amazing. All right, here I go. I'm listening. There's a 1941 classic Hollywood film. Yeah. About a director. Yeah. Who maybe is somewhat of a folly wants to make this movie. This would be this great, important movie about the Great Depression. And the name of this movie he wants to make that you don't see in the movie. It's just about his kind of idea. It's called Oh Brother, Where Art Thou. It's called Oh Brother, Where Art Thou. Holy fuck. And the Coen brothers, in essence, made that movie. But And he made they made it both with the good elements and the bad elements they were fighting against. Which is fucking crazy because because that, the, the 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 studio wanted it to be a musical, oh and he was God. like, "No, it's a serious movie. It can't be a musical." Wow, because that movie's about a like semi-fictional band that they create. <laughs> which right. Is, that well, that m- movie is kind of a musical. There's tons. Of, yeah, they sing in it and stuff. There's multiple musical numbers. Band is real too the soggy bottom boys sort of they're sort of real they're 
they're a band. So well, just, I think they were created for the movie, and then stuff came out. Of are their they bums? Were they? It says here, okay. the Soggy Bottom Boys, the musical group that the main characters form, serve as accompaniment for the film. The name is homage to the Foggy Mountain Boys, a bluegrass band right, right. led by Lester Flatt and Earl Scruggs. There you go. So they're actual musicians. There is a band with a name closely tied to that name, but okay, it's not an actual Soggy Bottom yeah. Boys band, but close, though, close. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, it says here, after the film's release, the fictitious band became so popular that the country and folk musicians who were dubbed into the film, such as et cetera, et cetera, and others all got together and performed the music from the film in a Down from the Mountain concert tour, which was filmed for TV and DVD. Wow. How about this one? Hold on to your hats for this one, dude. <laughs> okay. There are... There's a Simpsons episode entitled, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? What year? As well, that was uh, 1991, I think. No. But there's also a Simpsons episode entitled, Oh Brother, Where Bart Thou? There's two different Simpsons episodes. One is called, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And one is, Oh Brother, Where Bart Thou? Yeah. Now, the original, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? The kind of comedic take is that it's spelled O H brother. Like, oh brother. Versus O, oh, just the letter O brother. Like right. oh brother, where art thou? In a more classical sense. Right. The second one is just the letter O brother, but then where bart thou? So they did two plays on O brother, where art thou? One very subtle, one less so subtle. Like eight years before that Coen Brothers well, movie came out. Oh, brother, where oh, art Jesus. thou is the Simpsons episode. It was the 15th episode of the Simpsons second season. It originally aired in the United States on February 21st, 1991. Oh, brother, where Bart thou is the eighth episode of the Simpsons 21st season. It originally aired on the Fox Network in the United States on December 13th, 2009. All right. 21st season. Not exactly lightweight. Well, they're almost up to 30 now. Yeah. How did you react when I told you that Phantom Menace is closer to Return of the Jedi than it is to the present day? I think we already knew that. Did we? Not we until about this that year. On this specific podcast. Not until this year. Not until like days ago. Was it farther away? Well, we may have noted that it was coming soon, or my math could have just been off. Maybe. It was the same distance away. Now it's farther away. Big yeah. difference. Yes. So, kids, yes. No, exactly. Like people, kids that are in college now. And it's insane to call people in college kids, I think, but... It is. All these youngins that are in college. Well, that's, is that any less condescending? The Phantom Menace is like Return of the Jedi was for us when we were in college, pretty much. Oh, fuck. Sounds that's, far, yeah. Yeah, that is a bad way to look at it. 
Yeah. You know, I sent you yesterday that uh, clip of uh, Natalie reviewing Cohen. Oh, shit. Yeah. I thought you were going to say Natalie Cohen. Natalie Cohen. Oh, the the clown lady? Is that her name? Nalia? Nadia? I don't think it's either of those. Something like that. Natalie anyway, Lee Cohen. Whatever. No, I sent you the Dean. Yeah. The Dune. <laughs> See? <laughs> the Dean There's review. just a little tweak in there that's not quite reset itself yet. The, 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 the Dean review. <laughs> like, Dean. I just need to reboot. Like, your computer's broken. I had to reboot, like, four times. Your computer is just sensing my problems over a great distance. Normally, you're a calming influence on it, and clearly not that's not the case tonight. You need to reset. Don't the, lose heart. Restart. The Dune review. After that, I watched them review. I went on a tear of watching them review various other movies from the 80s, which was so fascinating. Did you get out of bed yesterday, Brad? A little bit. A little bit. I mean, no, actually, I did get out of bed. I I, um, spent the first half of the day in in bed. Around noon, I moved to the couch and was feeling like around that time, I was like, okay, I feel really horrible, but not so bad i might actually be afraid i'll die from the pain so you had to go down the stairs so i went downstairs to the couch and part of me was just like i just can't lay in this bed anymore like i think I'm if glad i just you had didn't a change of posture it just might help me feel better i don't know i'm glad you didn't tell me that i would have been really concerned that i was uh that, that... you would fall oh yeah well yeah. That would be the icing on the cake. Like, on a good day, I'd fall down the steps. Right. That's what I mean. The, you, uh, you would tumble, you know, headlong. Tumble in tumbleweeds. Fucking A. They, I was downstairs, and I watched a movie later I thought on. you were bursting into song. <laughs> a couple, I almost did. A couple... So I got downstairs around I noon. I am a man a, of constant sorrow. <laughs> I thought you were going to sing that. <laughs> that was like lodged in my brain from 10 minutes ago. I was so and waiting it for it. finally came out a little bit. I'm holding it in. <laughs> you made it downstairs? Made it downstairs. And then um, I started to feel actually a lot better after that over the course of the next hour. Sometimes. Uh, if you really must know all the details. I Which do. I think the listener deserves to know. They do. Um, my wife, you might know her. Her name is Christine. She ah, actually yes. took really good care of me. And what she did was she got... So thank you, Christine, if you're listening. Christine, and, thank you from me, too. And one of the things she did was... Because she has a lot of experience. She suffers Love with you. migraines herself. Like, uh, far more than me. I don't really... I wouldn't call myself a migraine sufferer. This was like a freak thing um, for me. But she put... Um, a a cold paper towel she put some on the back of my neck and on my forehead that sounds delicious and together Mm. it just made me feel so much better well that's like as soon as the coldness would kind of wear off they had to be replaced but she just kept replacing them but like it worked yeah so um i sat there with like wet paper towels piled on top of my head and I did watch a film. And since we tend to kind of uh, mark films we watch in this podcast, it might yeah. be appropriate. We should mark it. For me to, to mark this one. I watched mark it, dude. the film John Wick. Uh, Keanu. Keanu. I watched that. 
I thought it was entertaining enough. It's exactly what I wanted it to be. Yeah. It's what I thought it would be. It was pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I liked it. I, it, was, it was entertaining. I mean, it's not something that I would say, oh, you have to go see. <clears throat> not at all. But it was, uh, it was good. But it's along the lines of like what I imagined, like what I imagined I thought the professional was back in the day. And then as my memory got clouded by like increasingly more violent and serious movies, like I remembered back to the professional and like, that's kind of what I thought it was a little right. bit, but not well, maybe not quite as good as the professional, but like in that area of like this, like unstoppable, like kick-ass, like mm-hmm. assassin guy. And I just love those movies. Right. I love all those Bourne movies, the Mission Impossible. I love them. I but just love watching that shit. say that's what you th- thought the professional was. That means like the professional is not actually that. Well, no, as you pointed out to It's me, whimsical. It's got too much whimsy. Too well, much I'll tell you this. So I got to mention this. Oh, boy. Christine watched The Professional the other day. Really? Since you watched it? Yes. This is a, a separate viewing. A oh, separate viewing. Because when viewings. I watched it, I was the only one that watched it. Okay. And we had a house guest who, for whatever reason, randomly like put it on, was just like looking through Netflix randomly and put that movie Shut on. Up. Did, and she now, sat and watched the movie with was him. Was she going, or was he going through your recently viewed? I don't think so, no, because this was actually on his own account. It was on his like tablet. Fuck, shit. Okay. At first, at least. Anyway, All right. they, she had to pause it and call me into the room <laughs> to look at this scene. There is a scene in there yeah. with Gary Oldman. Yep. And he says, death is whimsical today. Mm. There it was. Smoking gun. Yeah, that's smoking gun, all right. That's weird, because I just watched that, and I must have, like, seen it and heard it and just said, nope, 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 nope. Didn't quite register it, yeah. No, I immediately made a point of not registering that, I'm sure. Death is, well, yeah. Although the whimsy in that movie is not Gary Oldman centric <laughs> no. at yeah. all. Like he's a little cuckoo. I mean, popping the amyl nitrates kind of like goofy. It's goofy, not whimsical. <laughs> right. Leon is whimsical with his elephant, his little piggy, his plant. He's a little whimsical. Yeah. But like he's popping his amyl nitrates. Amyl? Something. I don't know. Amyl? Amyl? Anal? Anal anal nitrate? Do you put them up your butt? I don't know. Who knows? But, you know, he's murdering families. All right, so did she like it? Well, she's seen us out before. Oh, She saw it back in the day when it was the shit. Right. Like back when we were in college, and it was just like that movie was just considered the total shit. It was total shit. Not total. It was the total shit. It was the total shit, not Not total total shit. shit. It was like, this is the thinking man's Pulp Fiction I don't know what that means. Well, you when know. Pulp Fiction was well, that was too popular, <laughs> it, right? It was another triumph for the arts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also watched. So I watched Siskel and Ebert review Back to the Future. I also watched them review Pulp Fiction. Wait, you just said Back to the Future? You watched them review Back to the Future? Yeah. What did those assholes say? No, don't they gave say it, anything. So they but, gave okay, it amazingly okay, good okay, reviews. All right. Amazingly you know, good, which was good to hear. And then Cisco can be kind of a fuck. Yeah, sometimes like no, they were just like 
Yeah. No, they, they gave it amazing reviews. Same thing with Pulp Fiction, which surprised me. Maybe it didn't surprise me. I mean, I realize it's like in the canon of already of just like great American films. So I guess sure, they absolutely. would give it good reviews. But at the time, I don't know if they just be like, oh, it's violent. It's so violent. Unnecessary. You I know? can't recommend it. But you know what I mean? People, but no, they were just like, this was the most fresh movie that we've seen in like forever. It's like Quentin Tarantino has such a unique voice. He's created a whole new whatever blah blah like they're like yeah and best, i'll say this about the best movie they went on about it yeah i'll say this about siskel and ebert and ebert in particular time brad is an unfettered arbiter because yeah. especially that review of dune mm-hmm. like siskel was just unequivocal in his total hatred of it but ebert for god's sakes like Siskel just wrote it off within five minutes. He's like, this is the worst shit I ever saw in my life. I hate it. It's stupid. And I get that. And I agree with him. And that's about my assessment of it, too. But Ebert actually, like, God bless him, like, took it a little farther and was like, I agree with what you're saying. I appreciate all of that. But this film... I think is going to hold a special place in film history, a little niche over there in film history as one of these like completely confounding failures. Right. And if that's not the truest thing ever. (coughs) Yeah. There's number two. If that's not the truest shit ever and to know it in the moment. Right. That's amazing. Yeah. That people will be talking about this film. Here we are. Now, 30 years later, more than 30 years later. Right. Is that true? 30 years? Yeah. 30 years later. 32 years later. They didn't even know podcasts would be invented. Yet they knew. Radio hadn't even been invented yet in 1984. We'd be here still talking about that film. And yeah, it serves as one of these monumental... But they did not know. Film failures. Ebert knew. Like, it deserves to be studied. Right. In all of its, like, failures and crappiness. Yeah, but it's like, not just a bad movie. It's crappiness wrapped in ambition. Or it the other a, way around. Yeah. But yeah. but only Ebert recognized that. Siskel just wrote it off. Right. And I was like, God damn it. You knew your shit, yeah. man. Ebert was like, this is one of those special failures. Yes. This is one of those movies that fails in such a complete way that no one thought was even possible before this. That it will be, it'll, it'll have a place in film history, which it does. Like, Poor even more David so. Lynch. Well, yeah, but he disassociated himself from that. Like, even more so than Phantom Menace or the prequels, probably. Yeah. Just because those are so trite, like you could tell they're, I don't want to say they weren't trying. I think they were, I think Lucas was trying something. Right. They were trying, but like they were so like locked into like the past that they weren't, they weren't trying anything new. They were trying to recapture or something. Well, they weren't. I think that's the problem. Like, but they were I, trying to recapture it in all the wrong way. I, yes, in all I the wrong know. ways. And like, look, F- Force Awakens, all right? 
Oh, careful claims now. That don't, it, don't spoil anything for anybody. I'm not going to spoil anything. All right. But, you know, the big it, gripe of the movie is it seems too much like the original Star Wars movies. That's the one gripe people tend to have. I won't argue that it doesn't do that. But the problem is, like, that's what you kind of need to do. I think it's still a great and amazingly enjoyable movie. I love it to death. Doesn't matter that they kind of rehash stuff. George Lucas can't. You can't rehash your own movie, though. Like, if George Lucas did that, we'd be like, what a fucking hack. He just remade the exact same movie. Someone yeah. else can do that, and it's like, oh, it's an homage, and they kind of updated the... So Lucas was kind of forced to make something that wasn't Star Wars because he couldn't repeat himself. He did it three times in a row with the uh, the first three, though. Yeah, that's true, too. Mm, I don't know. I just think he got caught up in his own... Well, he definitely did. His own ego, and he just couldn't get out of it. And then... I think there was a part of that. I mean, the script is just total shit. And then the magnitude of his own folly was revealed to him in a blinding flash the first time they screened it. Yeah. It's like, fuck. I've made yeah. a terrible <laughs> mistake. Ugh. I feel bad for the guy. I used to, like, back when those came out, I kind of loathed him a little back. I, that was back in my petulant days. Yeah. And now I just feel bad for him. It's like, I feel you, man. Yeah, he tried something. He really tried. Here he was, lauded as one of the great American filmmakers. Right. And he's like, all right, I'm a great American filmmaker. I'm going to go do this again. American Gigolo, Starman. was like, shit, you actually suck now. (laughs) It's that you sent me one of those YouTube videos, like behind the scenes. Yeah. Like before coming out, and he's like, I remember, I don't know if it was him saying it, but it's he's there and somebody else is there. And it's like, you know, these things don't always work. Like, sometimes they fail, like, miserably. Yeah. You, you can't, work, just, yeah. you can't mm-hmm. just assume it's Star Wars and it's going to be great. We have to really try and, like, put all of our heart and soul and blood and sweat and tears into this and, like, try our best in every facet. The props, the CGI, the effects, the story, the script script the acting the casting all of it set we gotta do it like put everything into it and they did you know they mm-hmm. did but sometimes you just fucking fail yeah and i feel bad for him about that no i definitely do and especially with this new movie come out it's like this is what you should have done and yeah now every it, single review oh. is like Forget those fucking stupid prequels. Finally, there's an actual worthy, you know, movie into this. So it's not enough that you basically flamed out and failed and can never direct another movie in your life, even though that's what you do. Now, somebody else came along and took your thing and made it what it should have been. And everybody's praising it just to really rub your face in the shit. Just right in the, just right, just right in there, right in the shit. I mean, that's a, that's sucky. Yeah. Ugh. Did you listen to God Bites' song? No. Brad. 
I thought, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I thought of that last night as I was falling asleep because I think when you sent it to me, I was at Disney World. Oh, that's right. You and were so in I had Magic like, no way of listening to it. And I was like, holy shit, this is the song, I bet. But I was like, I'm in Disney World. Like, there's no way. Yeah, I, you were I in listen to this, and I was in. I was there for a couple days. You, you were know, hanging from the out crack with... of dawn till one a.m. like all the time, right. like Disney. Bros. Disney, gotta the get your money's were doing worth. Disney World, you gotta do it. Yeah, you gotta get your money's worth. So I never had a chance to 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 listen to it, or even like a quiet place to really like try to listen to it. And then, yeah, I just it you know scrolled up past below the fold, and but it, but it popped into my head actually last night, and I was even last night thinking like, wait. Did I like? Um, did that really happen? Was I? Did I dream that? Did I just dream that right now that that happened? Because you were in some sure. sort of like fever dream, right? <laughs> well, I mean, it's never too late. Should we just like play it right now, or no? Should we save it up or what? I think that we should just take a little dive off the poop deck and play it.
next time on Gutterball.